Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. And what is up? Welcome in GC Live Monday episode. Happy game week, everybody. We made it. Congrats. It is officially not the offseason anymore. Game week for the Gamecocks game week for South Carolina and for North Carolina as we get ready for what um, actually is, I guess, one of the biggest games of the weekend. Everybody's excited. Game day will be in town in Charlotte, and I'm expecting a wave of Garnet. It is also depth chart season, which we've we've been informed depth charts do exist. Um, not only do they exist, but we have received an official depth chart from the University of South Carolina athletic department which uh, actually is probably going to drive quite a bit of this show uh, before we get to that going to tell you about our buddy clint hammond of movement mortgage clinthammond.com is how you can find him if you're on the video version of the show then you see his name above our head every single episode 803-771-6933 if you're in the market for a new home if you want to know what the interest rates are looking like you want to come up with a plan for how you can purchase a home whether that's a first-time home or whether you're an investor, pretty much all the above, everything in between, Clint can handle that for you, clinthammond.com. Good friend of mine, good friend of the show, and a huge Gamecock fan as well. All right, Chris, depth chart officially released, and I actually had planned for today's show to be about us predicting what the depth chart would look like, and... Now today's show will be about us reacting to the depth chart. There still can be some predictions, though, because as Beamer warned us, there are some ors on this depth chart. And so, uh, you know, we can still predict who might start game one, but obviously the official depth chart is out. That means some starting spots are locked in. Some, it appears, are still a little bit more ongoing. So... Let let's start broad. I, I guess you give me your give me give me your just overall reaction. Was there anything that surprised you more than most? And for those on the video version, I'm going to share the screen so that you can see it. However, depending on where you're watching or what you're watching on, I I don't know how well you'll be able to actually see it. I don't know if you're gonna be able to zoom in or not. So for those who are audio or if you're on a platform where you can't really read it, we're going to do our best to talk through it knowing that you 
may not be able to see exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, so huge surprises, Wes. I would say no huge surprises, but there were some things that stood out here. So let, let me start defensively. Um, the fact that at one of the edge positions or at both edge positions, you had not one or, but we got two ors at each of those spots. Um, now, one of those we thought was kind of more tightly contested, right? You have Tyreek Johnson, who spent some of the preseason in a blue jersey, banged up but participating. Had JT Gear, right, who Beamer had talked about at times, a little banged up in the preseason. Terrell Dawkins, same thing, right? He's spent time in a blue jersey during the preseason as well. We think that that was maybe one of the more tightly contested battles. Tyreek Johnson had a real good preseason, but JT Gear, as a transfer, had made some noise. I don't know if I really expected Dawkins to be an or there, Wes, but he is. Of course, UAB transfer, uh, Drew Tuizama did not make the depth chart. No, no huge surprise there, Wes. I think that's just such a late addition to the program. That's a guy that maybe he makes the week two depth chart, the week three, the week eight depth, depth chart. The other edge spot, though, Jordan Strawn or Brian Thomas Jr. or Desmond Umazulu. Very interesting, I thought that was. Um, Wes, I had told you, you remember this, a few days ago, that I was hearing a little bit more buzz about Brian Thomas Jr. and what the staff thought maybe of the leap that he had taken in the preseason. We all know he's going to factor in as a pass rusher, right? But to not have Strong, who's a, is a returning seventh-year guy, even though he's coming off that injury – um, not having him as a as just a regular, here, here's your one, I thought that was interesting. Maybe speaks a little bit more to the job that Brian Thomas Jr. did in the preseason and Desmond as a freshman as well, having gone through spring ball. Yeah, but perhaps, Chris, the biggest surprise on this entire thing, to be honest. I, I kind of feel like, you know, we, we do our best, obviously, to take what's being said publicly and uh, and also to take what we're hearing privately and, and kind of combine all that to try and give people an idea of what might happen now. Um, you know, you, you don't always know if it's going to play out exactly the way you think, and especially when there are some position battles down the stretch, uh, as is the case with offensive tackle. Um, you know, it's something to kind of keep monitoring. However, I would say the fact that it wasn't, if you had told me this would say Jordan Strong enter like shift next line, then Brian Thomas Jr. or Desmond Umiozulu, I would have said that tracks. That makes sense. I think it's that or between Strong and Brian Thomas Jr. that uh, probably comes as maybe the biggest surprise to everyone. You look at the other spot, man. I mean. You kind of are in a situation. The the other sort of end edge spot they they listed it as a as a true defensive end on this depth chart, but you you kind of I think that's more about health than anything of guys because J T Gear banged up a situation where I I think he was trending or tracking to be a starter, but yeah. um you know we'll see how he feels we'll see how the injury heals up going into game week and. Um, Tyreek Johnson, been in that blue jersey for pretty much all of camp. They've been very careful with him. I think kind of uh, you, you almost kind of have to put him on a pitch count, I think, at this point in his career as far as practice, just bringing him along. And, um, you know, I, I think you look at that and you, you're probably just saying, um, Dawkins, you know, if, if Tyreek Johnson can't go and JT Gear can't go then then Dawkins is kind of next man up and I, I do think that could be a scenario Chris obviously it's not listed here but we do have to at least account for the possibility if several guys can't go and I know Beamer Beamer was pretty confident that Tyreek Johnson would be would be probable this week I, I think so but if several guys can't go I do think you have to consider the possibility that they go the route like the bowl game and situationally like they've done other times and just roll Tonka out there at the end spot if they have to, you know? 
It, it makes a ton of sense to do that. And particularly West, I mean, you look at the fact that defensive tackle, you look at those top four right there. TJ Sanders is almost kind of a third starter for this team. Nick Barrett, um, by all accounts, has made a leap, and he's he's played some last season. He's kind of a forgotten guy on the defensive line overall for the Gamecocks, but um, I, I think he's made some strides. So even if you take Tonka out of the defensive tackle equation and you play him as a defensive end, even if it's situationally within the game, you've got those other three guys, and then you can always plug in a an Elijah Davis, Wes, a, a Xavier McLeod. You know, those guys may be ready to see some snaps for you game one as well. So you're right. I mean, I, I think you look at the one spot, the edge spot, to me speaks a little bit more to those guys, Brian Thomas Jr. and Desmond Numazulu, earning those things. Um, the other spot, to me, indicates a, a combination of a little bit more of a toss-up plus those health concerns. Again, all, all three of those guys have spent some time in blue jerseys. Now, what's the other thing to consider, aside from your Tonka angle, is if some guys stay banged up, can't go, you don't feel great about them, maybe they're limited, one or two of them, or heck, three of them. Does that increase the amount of snaps that you play Drew Tuazama this game? Maybe in an ideal world, in a perfect world, if you're full strength at the edge spot, at the defensive end spot, maybe Drew plays, you know, a handful of snaps. Maybe, maybe game one he doesn't play at all, given the acclimation period that he's going to have the adjustment in coming to South Carolina during preseason camp, late, really kind of just getting into full pads, Wes, as soon as you start preparing for North Carolina, not even have time to go through camp and actually learn the way they do things at South Carolina. You're really jumping into it full-fledged when it's time to prepare for North Carolina. Um, does that, you know, if that's the case on some guys being limited or even out of edge, do you look at kicking up Drew Tuazama's snaps do you look at moving Tonka over I think all that may be in play going into Saturday yeah you got some options there man and so I all right let's dive into a couple of different things here like you said defensive tackle room I, I think in a great spot there was and I'm going to try to react to some things I've just seen either on the insiders forum or I've just seen floating around some reactions on Twitter uh, for other things people may have been a little bit surprised about. The big one for some people was that Elijah Davis is not mentioned on here. Chris, I I mean, frankly, I don't really find that to be a surprise based no. on what we've heard about those four guys. Once you slotted Elijah as a defensive tackle, which that's been the case as far as we know for all of camp, it was really going to be hard to beat out any of those four guys. We've consistently heard and reported, you know, dating back to prior to preseason. Like, the, these are the four guys right now. Um, you know, I, I know you kind of – you even phrased T.J. Sanders as kind of being almost a co-starter with some of those other guys. Like, the staff thinks that highly of him. But then, you know, Nick Barrett continues to be that forgotten guy, but someone that the staff um, – I think trusts and is high on, and um, you know th those are if if it's if it's not a case of sliding Tonka over, those are your four guys inside. And if Elijah Davis had beaten out any of the four, then that that was going to be like, all right, this guy is is just freaking amazing, basically, because right. it was going to take a ton. It wasn't like some of these other spots where it was just wide open and you were looking for somebody to, to come up and grab it. Wes, there have been some years, I was just thinking about this kind of live, where you watch South Carolina's defense, and there are a few specific years coming to, coming to my mind right now, and you feel okay about the ones. When the twos come in on the defensive line rotation, and I'm thinking specifically about inside for the purposes of this conversation – you go, oh, there's a drop-off here, you know. Um, I do think there's some legitimate depth to this defensive tackle position. Um, Sanders, again, co-starter, third starter. Barrett, kind of a forgotten man, but, he, again, he's taken a step forward, a strong, well-built guy who who is more of a run-stuffing type as opposed to a pass rusher or a hybrid like a Tonka Hemingway. 
different type of player, right? But if it's if it's a true rotation, let's think about a true rotation of Hemingway, Huntley, Sanders, Barrett. You feel pretty good about those four rolling them in and out. And then behind them, you have, again, the names we mentioned, Elijah Davis, Xavier McLeod. Um, you, you've got some options there. Wes, I think my, my question with the Elijah Davis thing is just kind of who would he have beat out here? You know, I, I think your option, if you're just listing two spots, unless you're putting an or, those are the guys, you know, and that doesn't mean that Davis can't contribute this year. I, I in fact, think he will play some and, and potentially play some meaningful snaps. Unless you put an or on somebody, you know, who, who is he beating out? So, um, you know, I had someone on the Insiders Forum ask, has he, has he not lived up to the hype? No, it's, it's none of that. It's just that these guys ahead of them have played a good bit of football here. Um, there's levels to that, right? But they've been around a while, all of them, and all of them had good preseasons and have shown some things in the past as well. Let's roll over to offensive tackle, Chris. That That's a spot that – you know, I we've talked about it, I mean, a ton. And and those who follow us on the 107.5 show, I mean, we've probably talked about it on there maybe even more than we should. It maybe gets old at some point. But offensive tackle has been the question mark going into the season, really both from a standpoint of, all right, who's going to start, who's going to grab a spot. And then the other side is a question mark from like, all right, are they going to be able to perform at those positions the way they're going to need to to give Spencer Rattler you know, that room to operate and to be the quarterback that I think it sets up for him to be. So it had started to trend this direction, I think, in terms of these being the four guys. We talked about this earlier today on the radio show. Um, it really feels like they have trended towards wanting to just play Ja'Kai Moore at guard after starting out camp, uh, you know, with him at left tackle. And so... This depth chart does sort of reflect that, so I, I think that kind of confirms, all right, that, that's the thought process. And we said earlier today, Fugar, who was in left tackle in the spring, then he was at right tackle to start camp. It has kind of trended towards this exact very thing that we're seeing right here, and we even question, all right, are we going to see an or at both spots? And sure enough, that's what we have here. Sidney Fugar, and, and I will say just to uh just for complete clarity, um, and let let me confirm this to make sure I'm saying this correctly. So South Carolina did not list left tackle or right tackle. They didn't list left guard or right guard for that matter. It's just offensive tackle, offensive tackle, then offensive guard, offensive guard. Um that said can tell y'all that basically the, the guys working at left tackle at this point have been Sidney Fugar and Jackson Hughes. Like I said, Fugar's bounced around a bit, but it's trended towards like recently, last week or so. It's been Fugar and Hughes at left tackle, and then it's been Kaysen Henry or Tyshawn Wanamaker at right tackle. So, Chris, they kind of balanced out those positions and said, look, you two guys fight it out here. You two guys fight it out here, and and that's where we are. We're, we're at game week. It's an or. I wouldn't be shocked if three or even all four of those guys got in the game. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say in a second which way I think that's trending as far as starters. But, Chris, I, I mean, not really a surprise here that they decide to just stick with the, the oars at tackle, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the – the spots on the team West that seem to be the most unsettled overall. I mean, and we could probably, you know, you might could pick one of those edge spots, right? Just because there are three or four guys maybe vying for a spot there, but, but this has been the one that we've identified the most. Now, remember the, the timeline that Lonnie Teasley formerly had to narrow some things down. It was the second scrimmage. And I'm sure that did help them narrow things down. But what is pretty clear to me is it's not 100% clear-cut going into game one. Might shift a little bit even during this week of preparation. Might shift in the game, as you said. Might shift at some point during the season. There's just so many possibilities here. Um, one reason for it, and I was talking about this earlier today with U.S., 
you know, you, you look at tackle and kicking Ja'Kai Moore back inside. I think you've had a few things happen here who have given that have given you some more players, some more guys kind of arriving to the party to have a say at the tackle position. It seems like Fugar has continued to make strides. Jackson Hughes obviously came on during preseason camp after joining the program as a walk-on. Kaysen Henry got healthy. I mean, that was the biggest thing for him. Just missed the spring, recovering. Missed most of the summer. Was about 85% start preseason camp. So for him just to, to have a seat at this table, he just needed to be healthy. And so that's happened. And then Tyshawn Wanamaker, you know, we've documented, you know, had, had some dropped weight in the offseason and is getting back there as a player. He obviously has experience and maybe, you know, it could be that he has more and more of a say, Wes, as the year goes on. But it seems like a combination of factors here. The staff seems to feel that Ja'Kai's best position is playing guard. Remember, he got moved there last year. Left guard alongside Jalen Nichols last season was kind of the combination that they ended up liking. So they get to move him there, and then they have some more guys at tackle. So it, they, they seem to feel pretty good about it. It's not it, – I, I don't think, Wes, it's a like we have four so we don't have two type of thing. But I do think this race still seems – pretty close on the offensive line overall. One more interesting thing, Wes, before I pass the baton back to you to, to get some more thoughts on this, was looking back at last year at the starters for the Georgia State game, South Carolina has just one starter on the offensive line back, and that is Vershawn Lee, uh, based on who started game one last year. And really, when you look at starters in their current position at zero, Vershawn Lee did not start at center. Eric Douglas did. And so with him moving over, uh, South Carolina now, now has a new starter in every single spot. And, in fact, West just in total, they only have three starters back from the guys um, that started the Georgia State game. Spencer Rattler's one, Rashawn Lee is one, and then Xavier Leggett, who entered the season, West as an oar with Juice Wells last year. He is slated to be a starter this year. So, Pretty interesting. I, th I think um, I just kind of forgot that, to be honest, how, how much difference there was between last year's starting lineup and this one. Yeah, well, especially if you go back to the beginning of the year. Um, I mean, a, a lot happened throughout the year last year in terms of shuffling guys in and out and moving them around and figuring out the best spots. And, um, you know, speaking of Leggett, that's a guy that I, I think you just continue to hear is – you know, going to be in a position to have a breakout year this year. We saw flashes last year, has a chance to be that guy this year, I think, and, and maybe catch a bunch of balls um, as possibly their second leading receiver, uh, potentially, you know, behind Juice Wells. But, all right, so, Chris, I think this is trending towards Fugar getting um, first shot at left tackle. And I think it's trending towards Case and Henry getting the first shot at right tackle. Um, you know, it's listed that way as well. Um, that's beyond me just reading into that. I, I, I think just from what I've heard, that's kind of the group that's worked more with the ones. Um, you know, could again, could it? There's a reason they're listed as ors, so I don't want to say that as a fact, but. I would say that as a very educated guess that it seems to be trending that way for Saturday. But I also, um, I really, especially at left tackle, man, I wouldn't be surprised if both those guys got a shot at, um, you know, playing in the game at left tackle. So that that'll be something to continue to keep an eye on. Fugard has definitely made strides and and sort of I think is in a better position than he was uh, in the spring to potentially impact this team for Sean Lee absolutely locked in at center uh, will be interesting to see uh, you know Gargiulo has played left and right guard um, certainly he would be an option at center you know if, if they if Rashawn had to miss some time for whatever reason at any point but um you know, I think Vershawn is is kind of locked in at center. You can say that's probably about as solidified of a spot as there is on this team. And, um, 
you know, we'll we'll see how they line up Gargiulo and Jakai Moore, but as far as who's left, who's right, but certainly seems like those guys are pretty locked in as starters. Tight end, I mean, exactly what we thought it would be. Those are your three main guys, Knox, Simon, and Nick Elksness. Um, linebackers, some people, if they weren't really paying attention, might have been surprised, but if you were paying close attention, no surprises at all there. So, Chris, Keenan Nelson Jr. here, that's something that I see people being a little bit surprised about. I will say this, that is something that it's kind of been trending that way the last, I don't know, week or so. I don't know the exact timeline on it, but Keenan has gotten a ton of first-team reps, and part of it has just been that Spalding has been banged up again. And so, you know, it, if you would have told me before camp started who who's the nickel going to be, I would have said the, the older guy would have said Spalding. However, um, you know, it, it's kind of opened the door. Spalding being out has opened the door for Nelson. And I, I thought he played pretty well in the in the uh, not the spring game in the bowl game when he played pretty much every meaningful snap at nickel. And he he's taking this opportunity and and run with it. So uh, I can see why there's a little bit of surprise when people just initially see that, but there, there's certainly a reason for it. Yeah, it, it's, I think, a combination, West of the earned plus uh, – earned plus kind of the opportunity, right? And the opportunity being – look, I think if David Spalding had been fully healthy in preseason, he does probably get this nod. You know, he's an experienced guy who has experience at safety and nickel. He's now played nickel for a couple seasons at South Carolina. You know, you remember 2021, he's platooning with Carlin Spotel after transferring. And then last season, he plays some nickel, switches over to safety for the Kentucky game, makes a huge play right off the bat in that game, and, and is banged up and misses more time. So you feel, you feel for him with the injuries, man, because he, he's been banged up for a good portion of his, of his time here at South Carolina to where I think it's prevented him from taking that next step and, and getting his name out there even more and being able to play more. So that's a factor here, but also Nelson jr. Has by all accounts improved. And I think getting to play so much in that bowl game uh, was big for him, you know, being able to play, they, they played too many snaps on defense in that game, but being able to play that many snaps in hindsight certainly helped him former four-star guy, former highly rated guy, and, Wes, one thing that we know, uh, Torian Gray is good at what he does, right? He he tends to get his guys ready, and he has some known commodities coming back this season. But every single year at South Carolina, Torian Gray has entered the season with questions, right? 2021, who in the world is going to play safety? Here's Jalen Foster, All-American walk-on. Last season, who in the world is going to play safety? Here's two freshmen uh, from South from the state of South Carolina, one of which hadn't played DB since eighth grade, you know, and then they end up doing what they did. And so this is an intriguing one for South Carolina. You hope that you have a healthy Spalding for as much of the season as you can, but I also think don't discount the improvement that Keenan Nelson Jr. Uh, has made and could continue to make behind the scenes too. For sure, man. Hey, a four-star guy, too. So, um, kind of living up to that billing at this point. Uh, the, the rest of the guys kind of played out the way it did when we were putting together our depth charts from just observing the viewing windows at practice. Emery Floyd and Judge Collier. That That's maybe – I wouldn't say he's a surprise because we, we kind of saw it in practice. But if you looked back at preseason and we're kind of trying to – piece things together, Collier sitting here on the two deep, you know, maybe instead of a Vakari Swain might have been something that would be a little bit of a surprise. I still think in time you're going to see Vakari Swain very much in that mix there at cornerback and, um, you know, is a guy that I, I think can help this football team in one way or another. Um, Kilgore, not a shock at all at, that he's a backup at safety. I, I would expect – you know, Kilgore's probably the next man up at safety, in my opinion. 
potentially at both of those spots. But King Dominion Ford, I guess uh, not as much of a surprise here when you consider the fact that he went on scholarship earlier this week. There, There's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, obviously he's had a strong camp and is rewarded not only with a scholarship, but with a spot on the two deep. Kind of going through real quick, again, for those who can't see it, Stone Blanton and Pup Howard, the uh, the guys at Mike, Debo Williams, and then Mo Caba, the guys at Will. No real surprise there. That's kind of been how they've rotated in for much of camp. Um, Spencer Rattler, then Luke Doty at quarterback. No third quarterback listed. Uh, Juju McDowell listed as the second running back behind to carry on Joyner. Again, it's been trending that way for all of camp. Chris, Beamer did throw the old okey-doke on us. No no oars at wide receiver. I know. How about that? We had, uh, what, two last season. Is that right? Or three. We had three. Three. All three of them. And, and we, you know, we knew the starters were going to be pretty much locked in. But it, it, Beamer certainly hinted last week that there could be some oars between the second and third team. But I, I guess they decided the, these are the guys we're, we're rolling with right now. Yeah, very interesting stuff. And uh, now, Wes, any surprises in here for you? Um, look, Eddie Lewis being number two at slot, no surprise. Um, not surprised by Omega Blake, given what we heard in the preseason. And you can't – I don't think you can say, look, it's a – man, what a surprise. Nick Harbour's number two. Like, that that in and of itself isn't a shock. But I think having no presence from Peyton Mangrum, right, that may be a mild surprise and that maybe he could have made the depth chart as an or. Um, maybe, maybe a slight surprise there. Another one that we've been asked about is Elijah Caldwell, right? There was a lot of buzz with him this summer. Um Early in the preseason, not as much. And then we did hear more kind of towards the end of the preseason. But with Nick Carver, and look, he did miss some practice time. We know that. So that's kind of another factor here when you're looking at the depth chart. Just kind of interesting. Um, not not super surprising, but I will say interesting, particularly with Peyton Mangrum, that he didn't make an or designation is how I'm looking at it. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I uh... – I, again, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't say like surprised or sh I wouldn't say shocked. But right. if I had if I had put out my projected, um, if I put out my projected depth chart before this came out, um, even if I had put it out this morning, I probably I would have guessed there would have been three oars between two and three on this list, basically between the second line, like second team and third team. That's what I'm trying to say, and I probably would have had. I would have had Harbor on there. I would have had Omega Blake on there. But if you'd have told me, no, there's not going to be any oars. Just go too deep at each spot. I, I probably would have listed Peyton Mangrum. So I would have been wrong on that. I probably would have listed Omega, uh, Eddie Lou, and then Peyton Mangrum on there. So um, conspiracy, Wes. Did they put Nick Carber on there just to avoid eight thousand questions about why Nick Carber isn't on the depth chart? I mean, possibly. I'm. I mean, I, I think you're you're hoping it means that. All right, this guy for one is is healthy, and two, um, you know, is, is going to be a big part of the offense because obviously the natural athleticism and talent there is incredible. But I I, I think Chris, we're going to see. At least I think Elijah Caldwell, as the year goes on, is another guy to keep an eye on that's going to possibly push into the rotation. I also think. You know, Peyton Mangrum, probably a guy who's going to be in this rotation at some point as well, particularly, you know, with, with some of these guys being banged up. You know, how, even if they're available, how close to 100% are they? Um, you know, Juice Wells is a guy who's been through an SEC season before. Nick Harbour, I feel like he's going to need that game prep, that game week prep going into a matchup that maybe a veteran you don't, necessarily need you know so i i think that'll be something to keep an eye on this week uh you know going into saturday as well yeah absolutely um you know the, 
I think, Wes, here's here's my question. I think last season you kind of had five starters, basically, right? It, it was interesting. I was looking back at Georgia State game again. The guys that started were actually Xavier Leggett and Jalen Brooks because they went two tight end on the on the first play of the game. That's kind of how you count the starters, right? So they kind of had five starters, right? Um, two of those being guys that are not with the program in Josh Van and Jalen Brooks. This year, you're, you're starting three. They're much more entrenched. Like, there's more of a gap for me, and I think for the staff, too, between number one and your number two guys. So my question is, do we see maybe less rotation this year, at least to start the year? Well, another side, you know, kind of byproduct to that, Xavier Leggett is expected to be your starting kick returner. I think, Wes, he's going to have more than that in terms of his role on special teams. Marion Brown is also, in addition to maybe he does something else for you on special teams too because he's got a lot of speed. He's also your starting punt returner, right? We know Pete Limbo, Shane Beamer, they're going to play starters on special teams. Most of the great, most of the really good teams around the country do if you actually emphasize it. So the question becomes, you know, how do you balance that? You know, can you play, let's say you play 75 offensive snaps. How many breathers does Xavier Leggett need during the game if he's out there playing special teams, he's out there returning a kick? You do need to be able to have some guys that you can trust come in. But I feel like your trust level, you know, again, this isn't the same thing where you're rolling out a, a Brooks or a Josh Van. Like, there's there's a little bit more of a question here um, in terms of your starters because Eddie Lewis has played a lot of football, right? You, you might feel best about him from a trust standpoint because he's played the most ball. Other than that, you've got some young guys on this team that um, that have done some good things in practice, but you'll be throwing out there for the first time. And it, it has, you know, frankly, Chris, it has been kind of, I would say, relatively quiet for Eddie Lewis this preseason too. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that means anything. I don't want to read into that. But I, I think for that whole group, you're, you're going to be kind of, you're in that stage where you're you're looking at all right. Here's what we know we saw in practice. Does it get translated over to a, a real football game? And um, you know, I think with Omega Blake, with Nick Harbor, Elijah Caldwell, um, you know, Peyton Mangrum has played some snaps in a real football game, but uh, not a ton of snaps at wide receiver. So who, the guys rotating in, I, I do think that's going to be probably something to keep an eye on as the season progresses. Does it change? Um, you know, does somebody else does somebody else step up and take the punt return duties off of Amarian Brown just so that's one less thing he has to worry about, you know, if it's relatively equal. That was something where you listen to Pete Limbo talk about the guys at punt returner, Chris. He seemed to feel relatively good about several guys. So, you know, do you sort of if you know you're having to play somebody a bunch at, on offense, do you kind of change it on the other end? We we know that on top of minivans that your top kick returner is a non-negotiable yep. for Limbo. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. Spe- speaking of that, though, Chris, uh, we were going to gloss right on over that. I don't want to. Amarian Brown, it appears, winning the punt return job. I wouldn't have been shocked if there was an or at punt return, but in this case, there is not. Um, is a clear uh, delineation here. AB1, Eddie Lewis, two at punt return. Yeah, the one and two, and, and that was that was one of the in, – in waiting for the depth chart to come out, Wes, that was one of my top few questions of, of what would that look like. And I think none of the three scenarios, an or – Eddie Lewis being listed one or Marion Brown being listed one, none of those would have classified been classified as a huge shock. So um, we knew it'd be Leggett. I think Limbo had already mentioned, hey, DeCarion will be back there. Juju will be back there. But XL's the guy that they're going to roll with in all circumstances or almost all circumstances than a Marion Brown, Eddie Lewis. Here's another thing, Wes. Pete Limbo mentioning at one point recently that, hey, Maybe we'll have two guys back there at some point. So mm. th- there's something to watch out for. It's those two. Uh, it would figure to be those two guys. And so it, 
intriguing to me because Amarian Brown's a guy that I think, man, he a lot of people are talking about Xavier Leggett breaking out this season, and I agree. Amarian Brown is one that I think, man, you just kind of have been waiting on it, right? Has not scored a touchdown at South Carolina yet. Had hard to believe. Hard, very hard to believe, right? Um, had a really good punt return against Clemson. Actually made some plays in the first matchup with North Carolina under Shane Beamer uh, in the bowl game. And I think Dowell Loggins views him as a guy from a usage standpoint that you have to find a way to get the ball in his hands. If you can get him singled up, he's a really, really tough cover. And I think, you know, I guess it was Limbo talking about this, Wes. A Marion Brown is, is not – your typical like slot looking guy. Remember he was kind of going into some of the details about how Brown could run. Um, I believe that was Dow Loggins. Dow Loggins. It was Loggins. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Loggins kind of got into the weeds a little bit on that. It was kind of fascinating to listen to it. And after hearing that, I've always been intrigued by Marion Brown kind of being unlocked within the offense and on special teams. And that perked my ears up a little bit more. Well, I wonder if that means the possibility of getting him on the outside a little bit more. Like, here's a, the the problem with playing a guy like that in the slot is a lot of times you lose some of that vertical threat because so many of your slot routes, you know, yeah, like you can run four verticals like that. The slot guy runs down the seam on that, but for the most part, you're asking them uh, quick outs, um, shallow crosses, quick slants, you know, a dig, something like that, but you're not really unlocking that that sort of over-the-top vertical threat. And I believe Loggins' point was, look, he's a smaller guy, so we naturally think of him as a slot guy. Well, slot guys generally are sort of your more quick, choppy steps, and they're maybe a lot of times more quick than fast. And, you know, I, I think his thought was, all right, we need to unlock, we need to use this A-B speed to, to our advantage, and, and maybe you're not, Maybe you're not using that if he, if he's underneath. So that that would be something to keep an eye on, Chris. I um, I've I've got a thought that connects with that and connects with um, Juice Wells as well. But but first, I don't want to get too far down the line here, um, Chris. I've noticed you've been rocking your bird dogs quite a bit. Oh yeah, I like, am like so a right lot. now, Wes. I have the all bird dog combo. I've got bird dog shorts. I've got the bird dog shirt. I saw, actually, Wes, I saw a picture. You went out on the town with the bird dog shirt the other night. How about that? Hey, the bird, I'm telling y'all, man, that, yeah. that daggum bird dog shirt, <laughs> that thing is comfy. It's super comfy. And I it, fit, it just have to, fits. If it just it, fits so well and, and super comfortable. The shorts are amazing. Uh, unfortunately, I've got to wash it after this, Wes. I, I want to wear it like two or three days in a row. You, you do need to wash it. Recommend washing your clothes, but they're awesome, man. So I uh, and and I, I mean, if, if y'all have watched this or if y'all have met me, y'all know I'm I'm not the tallest guy in the world. I like the bird dogs shirt because it doesn't hang so daggum low. Like some some polo shirts hang very very low. Um, this one does not. So check that out, birddogs.com slash Gamecocks. Uh, yeah, I was about to say slash Gamecocks Central, slash Gamecocks. And guess what? We've got more free stuff from Bird Dogs. Chris, um, I believe, I'm trying to make sure I say this right. You get a free Bird Dogs Hydro Flask style water bottle this time. Ooh. So order now. Birddogs.com slash Gamecocks or just put in the promo code Gamecocks on the website for Bird Dogs. Um, all right, so wide receiver. I, I'm continuing to hear confidence, Chris, that Juice Wells will be on the field for South Carolina. You know, be, beyond just the public, I know people are a little bit, oh, that's just what they're saying publicly um, because of injuries situations of the past continues to look like juice wells will play um however if for whatever reason let's say he doesn't or just he's limited like they, they maybe have him on a snap count or something 
I think this is where you would maybe see South Carolina run a little bit more too tight end. You know, that would put Amarion Brown outside, Xavier Leggett outside, and then you'd be putting Trey Knox and Josh Simon on the field together. I tend to think we're going to see quite a bit of that this year anyway, Chris. But to me, if you're going in this game, you're saying, all right, what gets my weapons on the field? Obviously, that involves Juice Wells. But if there's any sort of, you know, uh, we're going to play Juice, but maybe we play him a few less snaps than normal. If there's anything involving that, I think you quickly say Josh Simon could be a key player in this game because we, we know Trey Knox is on the field, we think, if if you're in three wide. So Trey's going to be out there regardless. But if you're going to a lot of two tight ends, that introduces the potential for a big game for Josh Simon, I think. Well, and, and here's where it is so nice to have those two guys as transfers that have played a lot of football and have played at a high level in that, Wes, if, let, so let's take your Juice Wells scenario that you just laid out there. So your answers in a normal under normal circumstances are roll the next receiver out there, and we already went over how, you know, th- there's a drop-off. There's a more significant drop-off this year. If you had a Josh Van or Jalen Brooks coming off the bench this year or starting and somebody else coming off the bench, feel pretty good about that. You don't have that this time. Or you go to two tight ends. Sometimes you just feel okay. All right, we, we'll play more two tight end sets, but it may cause these problems. It may cause these issues. Now if you play two tight ends, if you're South Carolina, you feel like you are getting your playmakers on the field, right? You would like ideally to have, have your two tight ends and Juice Wells on the field, right? But this is all, of course, a hypothetical scenario. Josh Simon, Trey Knox, man, I get the feel. Those guys were – kind of closer to a 1A, 1B, and which is why they I think they listed two tight ends on the depth charts, one reason for it, in terms of their impact and in terms of how they played. A lot of people are looking at Trey Knox as being first man up. If there's one tight end out there, he's the guy. That may be true. I'm curious, are there some situations, Wes, where it's just Josh Simon on the field as the first tight end? There's, of course, going to be scenarios when they're both out there. Point is, the staff has been – very happy with what they've seen from both Trey Knox and Josh Simon in practice. I think, Wes, not only have they been what they the staff thought they would be, they've probably both been even better than they thought they would be. They made some high-level plays in practice. And when you look at a North Carolina defense, Wes, that's trying to answer a lot of questions, tight ends, they can be a very, very tough matchup for a defense. Gamecocks have a couple good ones, so – it, I, I'm just in general, Wes. Let's let's say everybody is totally um, good to go and and as close to 100 percent as possible. I'm fascinated just to see what personnel packages roll out there on Saturday. Regardless, um, that's one of my favorite storylines going into this game. Is just what does Logan's offense look like? What do the personnel packages look like? I know we'll dive it more into that. Kind of get more into the weeds uh, on that later this week. But just wanted to mention. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of this. Honestly, week one is one of my favorite weeks because, you know, Chris, I always do that uh, details you may have missed piece. And when you rewatch a game, you'll notice all these little things in terms of personnel or tweaks or, or things that maybe you didn't know were going to. As, as the year goes on, there are fewer and fewer of those because they're doing some of the same things they've done all season long. But that week one, week two, Details you may have missed. You get the little things they've been working on all offseason that we haven't really even been privy to at all. Uh, hey, the question, it, it comes up again, Chris. Will Lenora Sellers have a package? Will there be something? that's? It's been very quiet on that front. Is that something we see at some point this year? Do we see that right off the bat? That's a question we talked about all offseason, but I feel like we really haven't talked about it much leading into the, the regular season. So I, I think that'll be fun to see. Um, let's see. Somebody asked about Nelson over Spalding. If you want to rewind back about 10, 15 minutes on here, we, we went to into decent depth on that. Um, Mark, I I don't know what you're talking about, man. Um, 
Mark says, do you guys not understand Amari and Brown is every league yet are going to display their talent this year? Um, crazy you guys are dismissing those two. Uh, not sure how to respond well, to that. Yeah, talked about – I'll respond. Appreciate the question, Mark. We, we've talked about that very thing on this very show. Um, this about, very episode. <laughs> this very episode. Yeah, yeah, that's better terminology. We Rewind back, uh, watch from the start, if you will. We talked about uh, – how they're entrenched to starters. They're going to make plays. I've been waiting on Xavier Leggett to break out. I've been waiting on a Marion Brown to break out. I just had, I had about probably five minutes just on a Marion Brown and uh, very similar to other episodes and writings on Gamecock central. We Wes and I both pretty high actually on those guys uh, playmaking ability this year. Yeah. If uh, I don't know if something's getting misinterpreted there or, when, when we're talking about a potential drop-off or question marks, we're talking about second and third team on the depth chart at receiver. So that's that's already locking in Juice Wells, Aaron Brown, Xavier Leggett as the starting trio. And when I was talking about two tight ends, I'm literally talking about getting your best guys on the field with the best guys being Leggett and Brown at receiver. And then Trey Knox and Josh Simon at tight end. In that scenario, if you were having to limit Juice Wells' snaps in this game. So, yeah, hopefully that clears that up. I don't know. We've uh, we've been high on those guys really all offseason and for multiple seasons the last few years, and I, I think it sets up really well for them to, to have big seasons. Um, let's see. Running back, Chris, I would say – not a, obviously not a surprise at all to carry on to one. Juju McDowell, I think um I think you look at Juju and we maybe got a little bit caught up early in camp with uh, the fact they were still holding him out of eleven on eleven work. So it looked like all right, sometimes you had Bradley Dunn out there with the twos. Um, you know, you had Mario Anderson out there with the twos a bunch, DJ, DJ Braswell out there with the threes a bunch. Some of that was because they were still easing Juju back in. He's listed with the twos. I still, based on what Beamer said last week, I think we're going to see a lot of backs. Like, I, I think that, um, you know, Juju has experience. He's going to get his chance. I think they're really hoping he can run the way he did as a freshman, even. Um, you know, it was a little drop-off last year. But those are kind of first guys up, but I still expect potentially plenty of Mario Anderson and then the guy I think a lot of fans, myself included in this bunch, are, are really interested in seeing is DJ Braswell. Yeah, I mean, Wes, I know we're still – and you were – I got to give you credit. You were the conductor of this train. Uh the DeCarion joiner being the number one back. I think you made a very early call on that from what I recall. And that's still the case. So I'm thinking back to some comments Monterio Hardesty made during the Bur birdies with Beamer golf tournament. He, he spoke with the media there and we kind of picked his brain a little bit on the whole. It's a very common question in the preseason, right? Do you want to use a rotation? Are you going to have a top back? Or are you going to have a top two backs? And I like yeah, the way he some great it. stuff, man. Yeah, it was really good stuff. And I like to kind of simplify it. He said the players dictate the playing time, right? And that's kind of – that's a really good way to look at it. Um, you know, how you practice determines it, how, how you play determines it. And Joyner has obviously earned that number one spot. Now, I think the question that we're all going to have still is what does that look like? I mean – if he gets in the game, Wes, and is just tearing North Carolina up, well, you're probably not going to see much of a rotation in the game because you ride that hot hand. But um, if at some point he needs a breather and another guy comes in and it's Juju and he's also tearing them up, you know, th then, you know, kind of the game flow may dictate that and establish that. I do feel like Joyner has a pretty good hold on the starting job, right? I don't think that's precarious. We got to see what he does game one, his actual first game as a college running back. Not his first game as a college player, of course. Been here this going into his sixth year. Um, but it is part of kind of the mystery, right? What? How does that rotation evolve during the year if there is more of a rotation? 
I think all those guys have very different skill sets. I think there's places for all of them to get carries on this team, but how it shakes out to me, little, little bit more of a question still. And I, I do, Chris, hope that people will be a little bit patient with DK. Like I, I think, I, obviously, if the line goes out there and sort of just creates big holes like they did against UNC's front, you know, two seasons ago in the bowl game, then it's going to be a, a very easy transition. I would think being Joiner, yes, you're getting all these running back reps in practice. Yes, you've played Wildcat quarterback in college football games. You've played wide receiver. You've played true quarterback in a college football game. I still imagine the little intricacies, the little, uh, oh, do I need to be patient here? Do I need to just stick my head in there and go in this situation? I think there's still going to be a little bit of a filling out process. Um, probably kind of easy to get ahead of yourself a little bit. Oh, I got to hit this hole in a hurry. Um, as opposed to kind of having that patience. So I, I really hope if the running game isn't going after two drives that people aren't always aren't already kind of just scratching their head or starting to uh, to kind of give up. Yeah, Travis says timing or pace. A hundred percent agree. Plus, we've talked about the offensive line and how they they maybe haven't had as many practices together, as many reps with those exact five in those exact spots as you would in an ideal world. So I think it's going to be a learning process for everyone. You'd love to average eight yards to carry on drive one, and we're not even talking about this. But if if that's not the case, if it's a little bit clunky at first, I don't think that means you give up. Yeah, you, you don't give up. Um, but, Wes, I, I think here's what you don't want coming out of that game. We're, we're getting deep into North Carolina prep already. It's only Monday. You know, you don't want what you saw the Georgia State game last year. Woo, you don't want that. You know, I mean, South Carolina won that game by 21, but did they really win that game by 21? It did not feel feel like like it. it. Did not feel like it. I have to remind myself of the scores sometimes. You know, some special teams plays in that game. You came out of that game going, wow, that was clunky as all get out. You don't want to see that. Other part of it, Wes, again, getting way ahead of ourselves in terms of North Carolina. You got to score some points to win this game. Look what you got on the other side. You hope your defense has improved. This isn't a game you win 21 to 14, I don't think. You got to score some points in this game. And so Shane Beamer's harped all offseason on stopping the run, limiting turnovers, being able to run the football. So this this piece of the equation that we're talking about with the joiner with that offensive line, it's a big, big part of it. And so uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, Joiner is a running back for number one. Do we get a peek at Braswell? What else does Loggins have up his sleeve in terms of how you administer the run game? Does, does Lenore Sellers factor into that? A lot of questions here, and that's why game one's so interesting. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. We'll, we'll save the how many points do you need to score to win this football game. We'll save that for later. We're trying. Yep. Speaking of pace and having patience. <laughs> it's hard. Chris, we got we to gotta have patience with this show yep. too, right? Like we got – we got to fill man. some hours as this week goes on. Um, and the reason we even have this show and can fill those hours is because of our great sponsors. One of those great sponsors, our friends over at Liberty Tax. Chris has already overcome his tax anxiety, not just for this year, but for next year as well. And uh, Chris, if, if anyone else wants to do the same, they can just call 803-462-5576 and what you did was you just went ahead and got a head start on next year to make sure you were doing everything you needed to be doing now to better your tax situation for next tax season. Yeah, call our guy Larry, 803-462-5576. couple convenient locations out in Irmo West. You can go meet him, meet his team. they do an outstanding job. Absolutely no tax side. He actually had somebody text me the other day with a, with a text about taxiety and how they'd heard us talking about the Liberty tax team here on GC live. And I said, yeah, no taxiety. It's a terrible thing. You can avoid it altogether by hitting up Larry and his team 
at Liberty Tax. They do a phenomenal job. Yep. Ganado three four six two five five seven six. Chris, um, just so everybody knows, I think we're settling in on our schedule for GC Live for this season. So we've been asked, hey, are you going to do more shows during the season? The answer is absolutely yes. So every Monday, as has always been the case, I think, 2 o'clock, that will be the reaction show. Whatever has just happened, we'll hop on. We will have um, had time to go back over the game on Sunday or Monday morning. We'll have complete reaction on Monday. So then Tuesday evening, as it was all last year, as it was all offseason, that'll be talking Tuesdays with Mike Yuva. Then Wednesday will be our normal show, GC Live, 2 o'clock. Thursday afternoon, we'll let you know the specific time. Looking probably like 2 o'clock for that as well will be um, another Mike show. So we're going to kind of rotate them. Then on Friday, well, Friday afternoon will be our final sort of, you know, last year that was always our final preview show. We'll have that as well. So that will be the schedule throughout the week. Probably going to have um, before the sandstorm, if we can make the schedule work, I, I think we're going to be able to do it. That'll be me and Kendall Smith, as always. That will be morning of the game, leading into the game. Then Mike Yuva will have... Um, his post-game show, call-in show, with a guest, a, a former Gamecock each week. And I believe, Chris, we're actually implementing um, Intern Joe's first uh, first lead role, I guess you would say. Intern go. Joe is going to be go. filling the Sunday void with the show as well. So no shortage of live streaming. If you like to just listen to it on the podcast, or you like to hop on and do the chat thing. Um, no shortage of content on the video slash audio end, Chris. Yeah, man, really good stuff. Hey, how about Joe? Joe making an off-season move. Good for him. Yeah, we're excited, man. Tons of coverage. Wes, you put up also the uh, special that we got on going on right now for Gamecock Central, right? Uh, it's an awesome one. If you have not joined us yet as a member – Please go check that out. We'd love to have you if you're already a member. Very much appreciate you. But 50% off your first year of Gamecock Central for new subscribers. Take you all the way through the season. Take you through signing day, Wes. Signing day will probably be a lot of fun. We know this season's going to be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, so let's try this, Chris. For whatever reason, if we tell you all there's a special, you don't always click it. But if we tell you all to email Chris that he's got a super secret special for you. Oh, man. Y'all, y'all do, y'all do that. So, yeah. Email Chris. Clark email at Chris? Clark at GamecockCentral.com. C L A R K at GamecockCentral.com. Email, email me Chris. Super secret special. At Clark at GamecockCentral.com, and he'll send you the link to this special. <laughs> exactly. Do it. It's super secret. Do it. We'd love to have you. We appreciate y'all. All right, guys. Numbers were great today, and that is a testament to all of you. So we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. Um, got some Facebookers on here, too. I can see the breakdown. But as always, most of you know, YouTube's the place to do it. Hit subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on all the major podcast platforms. Again, like I told y'all, we're going to have loaded GC Lives throughout the week on game day, day after game day as well. Plenty of content ahead as we roll into South Carolina football season 2023. We will roll on with game week again tomorrow, Tuesday. We'll be GC Live at night, 7 o'clock. That's Talking Tuesdays with Mike Yuva. He will have reactions from what Beamer had to say on Tuesday, his normal press conference. Then Chris and I on Wednesday afternoon will have reactions from the coordinator press conferences. So plenty to get to. Looking forward to it for Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see you all very soon. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit 
FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.